Welcome to the latest episode of BAM Weekly. That's Boris and Matt Weekly. We're your hosts. I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by Matt. Bonjour! How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well. Boris is not getting warmer here in Northern Ontario. Starting to yep. think this winter might be settling in, buddy. Yeah, no, dude. It's uh, here in the city. It's a little cooler than it was, but it's still nowhere near where it should be in theory. But here we go. But you know where it is warm. <laughs> hot, hot, hot. <laughs> around the bam. Around exactly. the bam parts. We have so much going on. This has been one of the craziest weeks, one of the craziest episodes to plan for. Um, in the world of sports, we have to talk about the NFL week nine. Wow, 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 wow. Um, we're going to be chatting some NBA, some NHL. We're going to be chatting some soccer because it's time for the MLS playoffs. And more importantly, CONCACAF is back. World Cup qualifying is back. Can Canada continue this hot streak? We're going to talk about that. And then when we jump into wrestling, we're going to be talking some ROH some New Japan power struggle. And for the main event, we're going to be talking about the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame ballot. Yes, sir. I am going to submit my official, unofficial ballot uh, to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. We're going to put out my picks. And uh, yeah, we're going to have some fun discussing that. Lots to get to, buddy, today. So we can't waste too much time off the hop. But how you feeling this morning, friend? Dude, I'm feeling... Okay, um, man. So it's funny. I've I haven't talked about this like on on any of these shows or even to too many people. I think I mentioned to you a couple times how lately my sh- my right shoulder has just been killing, just absolutely killing. I don't know what I did. Um, about a month and a half ago or so, uh, I had that really bad cold, right? So I was coughing up a lung, and I I'm like, okay, I I hold something on my chest because like anytime I get a cold it's like borderline bronchitis so I'm like okay huh. this weird chest pain it is what it is right so you kind of just kind of just didn't give it a second thought because it's pretty typical when you do get a cold right yeah exactly so you know month and a half later mid-November and it's like still effing killing like to the point where uh you know certain <laughs> tasks have become very difficult um and it, but the weird part is like i've separated the shoulder a couple times even as a baby so it's like okay it's like every once in a while when the weather gets cold it hurts but this is something different like my like right beside my sternum on my ch- like on, on my chest like it just like it just feels weird my back killing my neck killing um and this has like been in the past like week week and a half where it's gotten really really bad um so last night i was out with the lady friend everything is good all is good in the hood we talk things through it's all good um and we were just chatting and then like she felt like my shoulder she's like that feels absolutely disgusting you should get that checked out oh no yeah (laughs) yeah um, and then she's like, you're not allowed. <laughs> it's never, never the feedback you want. Yeah. All right. Never, and then, never the feedback you want from the significant other, Boris. 
yeah, significant other. Let's let's not get too crazy there. Um, <laughs> so uh, then she says, "You're not allowed to text me until you send me proof you went to go see to went to the doctor." I'm like, "You sly sob, well played." Um, so, anyways, I like. Truth be told, I was planning to go at some point this week to the doctor. Things have happened. It's been super crazy for me, um, you know, with with some with some stuff happening. So I just legit have not had time. Like when I say I haven't had time, I legit haven't had time. This isn't a guy speak for I don't want to go to the doctor. This is just a legit I have not had time. Right, exactly, and it's it is tough to make the time for yourself in those in those situations, man. I feel you, but it is important, buddy. You gotta, you know, you you can't cripple yourself out here. Yep. So, yep. So, go to the doctor. Go to a walk-in. Because of COVID, walk-ins have like every walk-in is different. Some walk-ins aren't even walk-ins anymore. Some walk-ins you have to make pre-appointments. Kind of defeats the whole purpose. But here we are <laughs> during a pandemic. I make a call. Found this uh, walk-in near me, beauty. It's an actual walk-in. It's a new building. Went in, quickly registered, took a picture of my registration <laughs> as proof that I am going to see the doctor. That's step one. Anyways, <laughs> went to see the doctor. She asked me, first she's like, okay, blah, 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 you know, get through the formalities. And then it's like, um, you know, she just touches my shoulder and she's like, this shouldn't feel like this. <laughs> Again, not the feedback you want from a doctor, a physician, <laughs> someone who is paid to do this. Yes. Someone who is trained to, you know, diagnose you is telling you this ain't right. <laughs> So what's what's actually wrong with you? We don't know yet. So like so there is like like scar tissue. They want to make sure that it is actually scar tissue, not something else. So I'm going through the whole kit and caboodle of tests. Even my thyroid is gonna be tested at this point. Like everything. Blood tests, x-rays, um, they're even doing an ultrasound, a CT scan everything uh so over the next uh few days i'm gonna have fun uh, going through the battery of tests but she oh, said geez. most likely i've uh torn or ripped my rotator cuff and if that's what it is i shouldn't i should be in excruciating pain all the time and not be able to um carry on with my day like i have been right so yeah that seems that seems maybe extreme, but I guess we'll see. Maybe you are the toughest man who has ever lived, Boris. Maybe that's, you're the Terminator. That's basically why I'm telling this story, because I'm letting you <laughs> and our listeners know that I am the toughest man alive right now. Kurt Angle winning gold medals with a broken neck move over. Here's Boris podcasting with a ripped rotator cuff. Potentially. Yes, yes. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> Oh. That will be our new gimmick. It, it, it's it's worse than our last gimmick, the Imperfects. But we'll just be the Terminators of podcasting. <laughs> the Terminators of pod. Nah, the Imperfects is still the best. Oh yeah, man, I, so. I told a friend who watches wrestling about this, and they just look at me. It's like you need a life. <laughs> well, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that. And like literally nice. right now, literally right now. My friend, 
lady friend, whatever. She has no hot water. She can't shower, brush her teeth, wash her face, flush the toilet, whatever. So I'm like, hey, why don't you? Then she needs to get ready for school, right? But the spawn isn't home yet. So this is kind of like the time where she gets ready. I'm like, why don't you come over? Do what you have to do. She's like, but this is the time that I... Anyways, I'm going to shut up before I get in trouble. Um, But yeah, never (laughs) offer... Never offer a solution to a problem, my friend. <laughs> well, that's that's a common uh, that's a common issue that men and women run into. It's a common fight. I feel like men are problem solvers, and women just want to be emotional sometimes. That's that's something I've definitely fought with uh, lady friends and significant others uh, a number of times. Uh, yeah, man, that, it, that's life. You know, it is what it is. I'm I'm uh, I'm glad you're getting the battery of tests, though. Make sure you're healthy. We want you around podcasting with the torn rotator cuff for years, more. <laughs> yeah, man. No, like I said, I was planning to go. It's just, like, I'm not the type of guy who's like, you know, I don't want to go to the doctor. It's like, I know I haven't been well, especially like after some, some time. It's like, okay, this isn't right. Anyways, how are you, Matt? Oh, I'm I'm well, you know, I'm heading back to the big city tomorrow morning. I've had a good little vacay, seeing some old friends and some uh some family, saw the grandparents, which is always nice. always very, very nice. Nice. And uh now I have yeah, to man, ask you hey, how are you getting home? <laughs> it's funny. I uh I actually have uh, found a ride from a random stranger on the internet, so I hope I don't get stabbed. And, I uh, <laughs> love this. When you told me offline, I died of laughter like legit like a good minute of me laughing because all i can think of is like when we were growing up what did they tell us not to do speak to strangers get into a car with strangers and literally this is what we do now all the time all the time uber like all of the time you know what i mean like it's it's so ingrained in my life now i don't even give it a second thought but yeah i don't have a car I, uh, you know, I usually uh, travel with people or, or get rides when I come home and, uh, yeah, I'm not stranded because I could always take a bus if I wanted to, you know what I mean? But yeah, I, I have found these alternate means and I got to tell you, Boris, I'm pretty excited. He seems like a cool guy. seems like a nice guy, but that's how they get you if they're murderers, I assume. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If I hear of like, just, just check in with me when you get home. <laughs> Please. <laughs> well, oh, thanks, Dad. I will. No, no I, I don't want to go through the pains of finding. I don't want to go through the pains of finding a new podcasting partner. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll knock on the on the basement door. See if you're home when I get there. But uh, yeah, man, I, I'm excited to get back to the big city. I actually work on Saturday. But you know what? I I, I realized today that like I I'm not dreading it at all. I actually kind of like my job. Like I'm excited to get back to work. Hopefully they the, the one thing that uh, kind of sucks about I work at a hobby shop. And there's so much uh, stock coming in for Christmas that every time I go into the store, like anyway, there's like a new thing to learn. A new shelf is up. And I'm just worried after a week of being away, they may have completely revamped this store, built it from the ground up. And I'll have to relearn everything. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, enough talking. We have so much to get to. Let's get to let's get to business, my friend. Yes. Enough right. talking, let's get to some talking. Exactly, enough talking, let's talk some more. All right, let's start with a riddle. What do the Denver Broncos, the New York Giants, Atlanta Falcons, and Jacksonville Jaguars all have in common? Uh, they'd all lose on a neutral field to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? 
Well, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> number one, yeah. But what else do they have in common? Uh, I, I don't know, Boris. I have been stumped by this riddle. They all won in week nine against much, on paper, better opponents. So let's, let's run through this. Crazy week nine. Like, absolutely insane week nine. Um, the Broncos beat Dumb Boys 30-16. to 16. Ops. You know, this out of all of them, th- this is the one that surprises me the least. Because the Broncos looked good. They started good. And then they just fell apart. But Dumb Boys have been looking absolutely amazing this year. I hate to say that. It pains me. It makes me throw up to say that. But it's true. It is you. You can't you can't hate on him. Although the last couple of weeks have been down. Boris, I read a fun stat since the uh, the Hank Scorpio Simpsons episode aired, where Homer made it known that his dream was to own the Dallas Cowboys, but instead was gifted the Denver Broncos. Since that aired on television, Broncos seven and zero over the Cowboys. Really? Oh my yes, god! Yes, Ho- with Homer Simpson as their owner, they have never lost to the Cowboys. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. All right. Then the Giants of New York beat the Raiders of Las Vegas 23 to 16. That one kind of shocked me a bit. Yeah, the Giants are just they're they're not very good. You never want to rely on them to win a game. Although the Raiders are I, I kind of feel like they're in disarray a little bit. Yep. Obviously they lost their head coach, and it's not like he was a super popular binding force, but that doesn't help. Boris, it doesn't help to lose your head coach in the middle of the season. Of course not. It never does. It never does at all. Um, and then I think the biggest shock for me was, you know, Jacksonville All Elites beating the Buffalo Bills nine to six. Yes, the Josh Allen Bowl. Clearly, Jacksonville has won. Josh Allen, Buffalo quarterback, must now change his name to Allen Josh. Those are the rules. It's in the NFL Constitution. Yep. It was just crazy. Dude, the Dolphins won. The Dolphins won. They beat the Texans, but they won nonetheless. The Browns yes. beat the Bengals 41 to 16. 41 to 16. I feel like that was a big message. Like OBJ just quit on this team. We're going to show that guy that he's wrong. We're going to show that guy that we're a real football team and we're here to stay. And I think the Browns, look around the AFC, man. The Browns are as good as anyone in the AFC. Hey, remember a few weeks ago, and I wish I got the audio for this, when we were saying, are the Panthers for real? Well, they're not. No, sir, they are not. Although, they just re-signed Cam Newton this morning, buddy. I love it. I absolutely love the fact that Cam Newton's back. Yeah, Cam Newton is back. And this week, uh, I forget who the Panthers play, but two weeks from now, when he'll probably actually be able to start, they're playing Washington and, and Riverboat Ron Rivera. So it could be the revenge match right off the hop for Cam. You know who's playing against the Panthers this week? The Cardinals. Oh, God, yeah. So they'll definitely sit him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I will not play him at all against that team. All right. So week nine, absolutely crazy. The Chargers beat the Eagles. The Chiefs beat the Packers. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers popped off. He just went completely insane. His yeah. uh, his good pal Joe Rogan. Yeah, that that's something. That that's been. You knew the week was gonna. You knew week nine was gonna be insane when that like kicked off the week. The entire Aaron Rodgers COVID vaccine drama. Man, 
And like, so uh, Alex Trebek is a Sudbury boy, possibly our greatest export, way better than fucking nickel. I thought it was, right? I thought it was Matthew Ederer. <laughs> uh, I, I, I have a long way to go to be even close to the great it's, Trebek. Because it's surely not my ex from Sudbury. <laughs> no, that's probably not her. I think it's Trebek one, me two, nickel three. That's my that's my power rank. <laughs> anyway, it's just funny. Like the, the the great Alex Trebek is gone. God rest his soul. And we can't find a Jeopardy host who's fucking sane. We got uh, my Balik Blossom anti-vaxer, Aaron Rodgers anti-vaxer. There was that guy who decided that he was going to make himself host, and he was just a complete prick. Why can't we find a Jeopardy host? I actually do like Maya Balik. She's not she's not a hardcore anti-vaxer, but she is kind of like. I don't believe in vaccines. I believe in like holistic medicine sort of thing. Anyway, yeah. I'm not here to talk about who's anti-vax and not, but I just think it's funny. Why is every Jeopardy host fucking insane? Yeah, exactly. It's it's crazy to think of like to to see that. But yeah, like that 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 drama. I don't want to get into it. It is what it is. Um, but it's just kind of seeing. It's interesting to see how the NFL handles this, because you know this is someone who's like clearly going against protocol at this point right yeah well it's just like exactly and like openly not wearing a mask it's just like disrespectful in a way you can i mean it's your body yes and you can believe what you want to believe but like there are rules in place for reasons and like it's it's just uh holier than thou and disrespectful and very arrogant to, to do what he did in the way that he did it especially when you are a part of a traveling whatever you know we talked about this we talked about this about wrestling and the wwe releases um you know that they travel all over the world there are protocols in place you know the nfl they travel everywhere in the usa they have protocols in place now can you imagine if the if um the packers were one of the teams that traveled to london Oof. Yeah, well, I, I actually couldn't imagine the NFL ever sending the Packers yeah, to true, London, so true. no. <laughs> in a way game, in a way game. Yeah, maybe. Uh, actually, let's before we actually move on to, let's briefly talk on the report that the NFL might be expanding. This is the yes. first time we've officially seen in the media that the NFL wants to expand to 36 teams. Yes, yes. And part of the short list is a city that both you and I know and a lot of our listeners know, Toronto. Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Also London, England, and St. Louis and San Antonio were the other two places earmarked at I'm this moment. surprised that Mexico City isn't on that list. That's interesting. That is very interesting. How, how is their love of football? Would they be able to sell a huge stadium nope. out every week there? Mexico City, yes, 100%. Yeah? Uh, then that is that is interesting. You'd think that they would try to go even more international with it. But yeah, I would think that if they do expand to London, they would have to put London in an Eastern division. I was thinking too, like if we get to 36 teams, Boris, we're no longer, we no longer have the nice eight divisions of four teams set yeah. up. We might need to switch to six divisions of six teams. I don't know how you'd break it up. It'd be interesting to see though. Yeah, it would be very interesting to see. And look, We've seen the blueprint for an overseas international team with the Toronto Wolfpack in the rugby leagues, right? Like it's happening. Yes. It's not easy. With- Financially, it's it's insane. Um and, and, and the team is essentially set up to fail, which they did because of COVID. 
but they did. Um, so, you know, like, it's, 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 it's tough, but it's the NFL. It's not a rugby league. This is a league that just drives itself on profit and finding revenues and streams of profit. So they'll find a way to make it work. Yeah, the NFL is not lacking uh, fundage for sure. I agree. I think they'll find a way to make it work. It will be interesting to see, though. But I bet within the next five, ten years, max, there's a team in London. There's a team in Toronto. Yep. Yep, exactly. All right. So let's move on because we do have a lot to talk about. Um, let's talk about some NHL. What do you want to talk about the NHL? Jack well, Eichel. We, just, we, have to briefly, we have to briefly talk about the Jack Eichel trade. Uh, first and foremost, that's a humongous deal. It's uh, I think it's a big win for players too, and and just the uh, the the control of their own body because it was a huge thing that the the reason why his uh, relationship soured with Buffalo, uh, other than the fact that he has to be traded because they were losing, was the fact that Buffalo wouldn't let Jack Eichel get a neck surgery that Eichel felt like he really needed, and Buffalo felt like we don't want our twenty three year old number one overall draft pick to get a neck surgery and be ruined from it. So they felt the risk was not worth the reward. Jack Eichel being in his own body disagreed. And I think it's good for the league. It's good for the world that it played out this way. It took way too long, but uh, yeah, Las Vegas adds another stellar player in Jack Eichel. They didn't give up too much to get him, And it's going to be very interesting. Uh, If Eichel gets even 85 or 90% of the way uh, back to where he was, man, Las Vegas is going to be really nasty next year. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, you know who had a pretty good Eastern Canada road swing? Uh, who the hat? Oh, I know what you're going to say. The Kings. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Your boys, yeah. Overtime uh, victory over my Montreal Canadiens pretty recently. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I got a, yeah, I got really, a soft spot who, for, uh, who, for the who Kings. Who doesn't but... win against your Montreal Canadiens? Boo! <laughs> Boo! Dislike that comment. Unsubscribe. <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah, you're right. No, I, I don't care. I'm looking at Shane Wright this year, homie. The draft is in Montreal. We're going to get that first overall pick. You watch, baby. Yep, yep. They only have three wins. Oh, yeah, it's bad. It's a bad situation. Well, man, they made a miracle cup run based on defense, and they lost their goalie, their best defender, and a Selkie Trophy-worthy defensive forward. So they lost all of their defense, and defense was the only reason that they made the run last year. So, yeah, they're completely fucked. Oh, they're screwed. Oh, yeah, they really are. They really are. Um, Yeah, it's just crazy. Like, the NHL, I know it's early. Um, but, uh, you know, Panthers, number one, doesn't really surprise me. Number one in the Atlantic, I should say. That really doesn't surprise me too much. Maple Leafs right now are number two. Surprising for me are the Red Wings at number three in the Atlantic. Yeah, they're a year or two ahead of schedule right now, it seems. But, uh, yeah, man, definitely they have a lot of crazy young talent on that roster. You can see the pieces are there. But I definitely thought year or two away for sure it's it's very early for detroit to be doing this well yeah and but then, we're in we're in november 11th still though still right it, it's it's still early but it's still interesting to see right um and then when we take a look at the scent the western central division the wild number one surprises no one in my opinion it shouldn't surprise anyone but what does surprise me are the avalanche third from the bottom 
Yeah, that is surprising. It's been a slow start. Uh, the loss of Grubauer appears to have really hurt them. They they had like the nice Grubauer Francouz one two goaltending punch going, and now they kind of are not getting a save. That's really really hurting. But uh, Colorado will be fine oh, on the, paper. Yeah. That's the most talented team, the most yeah. talented roster one through twenty three in the NHL. I still think it's Colorado. Yeah, agreed. Again, November eleventh. You know, there's still a lot of hockey. The St. Louis Blues can tell you, even into January, you know, hold our beer. <laughs> exactly right, buddy. Yeah. And uh, shout out to the Calgary Flames. Shout out to Dave Brightley. They're doing well for you. So are the Oilers, number one in the Pacific. Man, the Battle of Alberta is going to be real fun all season, and hopefully we see it in the playoffs. Can't wait. But yeah, McDavid is out here undressing fools for a time, scoring goals, leaving jock straps in the rafters. And uh, the Flames are playing that Daryl Sutter hockey, that yep. defensive shell. Exactly. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's kind of funny, like, um, you know, that's the, that Sutter influence. Like, it's just crazy how effective it is every few seasons. And then teams smarten up, and then, you know, they reshuffle, and then, you know, rinse and repeat. And it seems like it's he's not a fun man to play for in a lot of ways. Yeah. But you can't argue with the results, man. You cannot argue with the results. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So so that's anything else you want to touch on about the NHL before we move on to discuss that's one still- particular player in the NBA? Yes. <laughs> Specifically, yes. No, it's still very early. We're going to do more and more hockey talk as the season rolls on. But yeah, the Oilers are looking sick. There's uh, Canada's looking all right for the Stanley Cup. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited. I'm excited for this hockey season to get rolling. All right. NBA chat. Scotty Barnes. Holy shit. Man, myth, legend <laughs> oh already. God. Hook this man to my veins. You just type Scotty Barnes into Google. Here's what comes up. Deadspin article from three hours ago. Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes. Colon. Like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Ringer, Scotty Barnes, the revolution is underway in Toronto. Sportsnet from yesterday. What is Raptors Scotty Barnes ceiling in the NBA? This kid is out here like ripping the ball out of Kevin Durant's hands like he's a sixth grader. Yeah. It's fucking insane, insane, this guy's defense. YouTube that video if you haven't seen it, listeners. Like, just he rips it from him. And then, like, if you watch this in slow motion, so he rips it from him. He looks down on him as he's on the floor and then just jumps and dunks it. Oh, Scotty Barnes is a real one. He's a bulldog. And this is why you can't really trust pre-draft, uh, you know what I mean, like hype and whatever. Because people forget now, we weren't. not every Raptors fan was excited that Scotty Barnes got picked. He was, quote, a reach. It was above where people thought he was going to go in the draft. But Masai Ujiri and the Raptors team saw something in this kid. They knew he was special. They knew he was a bulldog. They knew he was a complete player. And, man, he can pass. He can play defense. It's uh, it's kind of like we were saying about Trick Williams on the NXT pod. He has the things you can't teach. So if you can just teach the jump shot, teach the fundamentals a little more, this guy's going to be a stud, a star. Yep. yep. All right. So, you know, sticking with the Raptors, I was reading this ESPN article that, like, really was an interesting read. Um, I read this earlier this morning. I think it came out yesterday from ESPN. This is the headline. 
Can the Toronto Raptors surprise NBA betters like MLB San Francisco Giants? Oof, to that degree, no. no. I don't think they're going to win 60 games and win the division. But I like I like where your head's at, ESPN. Yep, and this is in Andre Snelling's uh, article. But he brings up some really good points. Like, you know, the Raptors are the sleeper team. You know, and, and, and essentially it comes down to, you know, we lost Larry. We've lost a lot of people, but we still have a young core that is built for this era. Exactly. And they've been there before. Like Fred Van Vliet is scared of nothing. Yeah. Pascal Siakam, he's a he's a little he's been a little shell shocked in his career, but he's played big moments in the finals. So these guys have been there before. I trust them. I'd go to war with this team, as they say. These these Raptors are foxhole tested, Boris. Yeah. 100%. You know who I would not want to go to war against? Who's that? The Jokic brothers. <laughs> oh, Jokic brothers versus Markeith Morris and uh, Marcus Morris in a steel cage tag team match. <laughs> what be is better going than Fox on? versus Luke Bros. What is going on? Like, first off, what the hell happened? Like, I don't even, like, I've seen video of Jokic just like, just ramming the back of Morris. But, like, what ended up, like, what triggered this? Uh, well, I think Morris started it, like, in in, in pure uh, Morris brother fashion, in pure Morai fashion, Boris. He uh, he got, he's there, he's the 11th man, he's there to to uh, get under people's skin. He's It's a similar role to the enforcer in hockey that he's holding down right now, yeah. uh, you know, uh, with more fighting, as it turns out. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. But again, the NBA is still super early on. The Raptors aren't looking too bad. The Raptors are better away than they are at home. Go figure. <laughs> well, it's it's a lot of pressure to play inside that uh, inside that Air Canada Center. What do they call it now? The Rogers Center. Uh, they call it the Scotia Bank Arena. That's the one. Yep. Yep. The Lakers doing Lakers stuff. The Warriors doing Warriors stuff. Um, but the Bulls, in my opinion, have been the surprise for me. Oh, big time. million percent agree with that. And, man, people don't – I'm going to be the Toronto homer. People don't put enough respect on DeMar DeRozan's name. He went there and he helped out. People thought, oh, this is going to be terrible. The Bulls are going to be terrible. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. He was obviously going to help that team and obviously push them into the playoff hunt. I believe we called that at the start of the year. I think it's going to, uh, you know, I think it's going to come to fruition. Yep, exactly. All right, let's talk some soccer. Let's talk some MLS. It is playoff time. The Audi 2021 Cup playoffs, as they call it. (laughs) The most prestigious in all of North American soccer. Uh, Boris, this is your jurisdiction. I'll be back for CONCACAF talk. <laughs> yeah, so the MLS universe is here. We're talking some MLS playoffs. Um, oh, my this, God. Yeah, I quit. I, did. I quit the podcast. Yeah, you do. All right, so this is the first year in a few years that no team from L.A. is in the playoffs, and I'm shocked that neither the Galaxy nor LAFC have been able to make a playoff spot because decision day was absolutely insane. Um that's uh, yeah, it's just freaking crazy. New England just dominated the table, winning the supporter shield. The supporter shield is the pers- the team that wins the entire table. So first place in the league in most leagues that would win you the league. But we're in North America. 
we do playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs. So, the way that this works is the number one seed gets a buy from the first round. So, they come in at the conference semis. So, these are the round one uh, matchups in the East. New York City FC versus Atlanta. That's a really good series. Both teams, like, right in the middle of the of the table, um, both hungry. Atlanta's already won a championship. New York City FC has kind of been underwhelming for the most part. Um, so that's going to be a good matchup. Nashville versus Orlando is going to be a good matchup. Nashville, good young team. Orlando, kind of, you know, a little more wily veteran-type team. We'll see how that goes. And then Philly. Philadelphia Union against the New York Red Bulls. Nah, whatever. It is what it is. Now, and like I said, New England is waiting in the conference semis, and they're going to be facing the winner of the New York City FC Atlanta United uh, series. Now, if we take a look at the West, Colorado won the West. They are waiting in the conference semis. And then if we take a look at the matchups for round run, we have Portland Timbers against Minnesota uh, United. That's going to be a really good series. Portland, the fans, the supporters are just incredible. If you ever get to watch a game on TV, make sure it's either Portland, Seattle, or Toronto. Um, Then you have uh, Kansas against Vancouver. Vancouver started the season horribly. They had a horrible start. They've been the St. Louis Blues of this MLS season, and they're looking really, really hot. Honestly, since they lost Alphonse Davies, they haven't been the same, but they've finally been able to find something in this team, and they are the sixth seed. And then you have Seattle and Real Salt Lake. Again, Seattle has been a franchise that in their 10, 11-year existence has never not made the playoffs. They've been dominant over the past five, six years. You know, facing Toronto three out of four years, it's just been crazy in the finals, that is. So, but, you know, then you see where Toronto is, non-existent in these here playoffs, but Seattle keeps dominating. So this is a team that can keep, rebuilding and putting itself together so yeah the mls playoffs super super cool um i just want to give a brief brief just high level look at things who do i think is going to win it all i'm going to honestly have to say new england they're just too good new england interesting i uh i I like where your head's out there I, I knowing pretty much next to nothing about it. I just, I want to kind of see Seattle keep going. I have great respect for them. As you said, three out of four times we've seen Seattle in the finals. So it'd be nice to see them continue uh, rocking, mucking and rocking. I think they kind of look like uh, a little bit like the New York Yankees of the MLS right now, Boris. They're just uh, always there. They're just always there, always around. All right. CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers continue tomorrow. We have Canada versus Costa Rica. We have USA versus Mexico, which is going to be a huge matchup. Yes, yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. That is uh, always a always a classic uh, USA and Mexico. It's in Mexico, I believe, right? USA, Mexico, I believe it is in Mexico. Yes, it is. It's in TQL Stadium, and TQL Stadium is in... No, it's in the U.S., in Cincinnati, 
So John Moxley's going to be at that game, maybe. Oh, my. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, you know, USA, Mexico, you just never know what's going to happen in those games. But Canada, continuing to do Canada things, facing Costa Rica at Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton because it's November, because they're facing a team that has never seen under 25 degrees. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a blast for sure. And yeah, Canada, they, uh, they, like you said, they play Costa Rica uh, tomorrow. And then it is Tuesday when the next round comes and they play Mexico, also in Edmonton, I believe, correct? Yep. So they have that they have that cold weather advantage going for these next two games. Hopefully Canada can capitalize on that. Yeah, it's funny. Like people always say they have the cold weather advantage and I guess they overall do. But remember, our players aren't, they don't, they don't live in the Arctic anymore. Yeah, it's a really good point. It's a really good point. So, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just, yeah, we'll see. Um, again, kind of giving everyone the, the, the high level overview. We're going to get into more details next week when we update everyone on the table and see where Canada sits after three full rounds. Yes, at this moment, Canada is in third on that table. Uh, USA second, Mexico first. Canada's only one point behind the States. And they are four points behind Mexico. So theoretically, if all broke down right, Canada could jump up to the top of this table. But we'll see, Boris. We'll see. Exactly. We'll see. And like we mentioned many times and will mention many times more, one, two, three in the World Cup, number four in a playoff against Oceania. Yeah, I, it, it rotates too. It might not be Oceania. I forget yeah. how they I, I think they, they draw it. So it might be like the fifth place Europe team or perhaps an Asian team. I forget. But yeah. It's, it's the fourth place team plays a playoff. That's their entrance into the World Cup. But one, two, three are automatically in. <sighs> Interesting times. Yeah, absolutely, man. Canada's, like we've said it numerous times, this is the best Canada has looked at soccer in my entire life. This is the best national team they've ever had, oh, certainly far. in my lifetime. By but, far. It's, but it's, for sure. Yeah, by far. It's, it's been absolutely crazy, but uh, it's been good. It's been fun. Matthew. I think it's time to move on to wrestling. Let's do it, buddy. All right. So we're going to start by giving everyone our regular ROH TV report. You can find my report every week on slamwrestling.net. Well, every week, at least for the next six weeks or so. But that's neither here nor there. (laughs) ROH here right now. Um, Actually, this Sunday, they have a special uh, card on Honor Club, which I will be covering we will be talking about it's one of their kind of like uh m- like mid-season specials so that's going to be cool but this week this past week on ROH TV it was a fun week because it was ROH Championship edition two championship matches we had the first match was was for the Pure Wrestling Championship we had Josh the Technical Beast Woods your champion versus LSG this match was a shit ton of fun. Man, these guys are good. These guys are super, super good. But I got to say, LSG, he did well. But this was Josh Wood's first um, the title defense, and he pretty much dominated and got a decisive victory over LSG. It was really, really, really good. He did a beast slam which is basically like an over-the-head German suplex, and then he locked in a gorilla lock, and that made LSG tap. 
Nice. So that, that's really good. Josh Woods needed to be put over strong. Number one overall draft pick, Josh Woods, I'll yep. have you know. Yep. So, Boris, you're a, your pro-Josh Woods agenda has been clear for some time. But, hey, man, I like him too. Uh, kid rules. He's definitely a, a star in the making in this wrestling business. Yep, exactly. And then I guess, you know, it's, it, like it was a lot of fun. And I really enjoyed this match. You should go out and watch it. But, again, I'm a sucker for pure wrestling matches for the pure division as i am for the heritage cup um i just love those different styles of wrestling the different presentation of professional wrestling that you can get on tv yeah yeah definitely anytime they can mix in a little sporting feel a little a new rule set any kinds of twists and turns on your basic wrestling match it's much appreciated yep so i'm gonna have to give this match three and a half handshakes out of five nice 70 percent uh, on the BAM program. It's a yep. solid B in Canada. Yep. A solid BAM. Nope. Sorry. I have a landline, Boris. I don't know if you can hear it. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Just heard it. Amazing. All right. So, match number two and the main event of the night was your ROH World Heavyweight Champion, Bandito, going up against Alex Zane? Sure. <laughs> For the for the world championship of all of Ring of Honor? Yep. Alex Zane. Well, he did win that uh, Battle That's Royal, That's what it was. Right? He did win the Battle Royal. So I guess because they are nearing the end of the road, they need to cross their T's, dot their I's, um, you know, and, and, and this is one of them. Alex Zane had that title shot. I went into you this don't want, match. Uh, don't want to you get know. into a Christian situation with a lingering intercontinental title shot just hanging out there like a big old matzo ball, Boris. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say, you son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, okay. How many times have we talked about a match and how it takes away from the match when we know exactly who's going to win? It can take away from it. Yeah, it, it it can. It's hard to, it would be actually impossible for a wrestling company to be able to 100% of the time have an outcome be in doubt, you know what I mean? Like, like obviously, some champions are going to have to go over strong. But it does, I know you mean, man, it does kind of hurt it. Like, when you, when you flip Bandito versus Alex Zane on the television, eh, you kind of know. You just kind of know. Yeah, exactly. Now, having said that, it did kind of hurt it a bit in the grand scheme of things, and you're going to see that reflected on my point system, but this is also a fun match. Is it a must-watch? No, but it was a fun match. Um, and lo and behold, surprise, Bandito is still your champ. I Damn it. I guess I owe you a million dollars, Boris. I put in a terrible bet. No, it makes a lot of sense. Obviously, it was never in doubt for a second. Bandito obviously was not going to lose the world title to Alex Zane on this random episode of ROH TV. Yep. Now, what was cool was they seems to be setting up the final battle main event, which seems to be the main event of ROH, and that's going to be Bandito and Jonathan Gresham because after the match Bandito helps Zane up Bandito leaves the ring title uh, held over his head and he points to Jonathan Gresham who was at the announce table I like that I like that a lot it seemed like Jonathan Gresham was going to get a long ROH world title run at some point so I think it's smart to put the title on him in the final show of this era 
and let him be yeah. the traveling champion. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Was Is this going to be like a WCW situation where it's going to be a feel-good, happy ending for ROH and some of these titles? I think so, but they've said, right, that ROH is going to continue as like a pure, true indie. We, so- that seems to be where they're heading. The messaging in their statement about them releasing everyone and kind of retooling hinted at that. If I was a betting man, I would put my money on that. They're going to turn into a true traveling indie uh, federation like a GCW, like a pro wrestling gorilla. That's what I see ROH becoming. And to be honest, they'll be just fine in the grand scheme of things. That's how they started. Um, you know, it's going to be yeah. harder to have long-term stories, long-term bookings, long-term, um, you know, programs because you don't know what your roster is going to be show to show. But I think yep. I think they'll be just fine. Yeah, I agree a trillion percent with you there. I, but I do think, like, someone's got to wear the belt. They're yeah. going to have a champion. And I think Jonathan Gresham is a perfect choice to yeah. be that man. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I'm 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 still sad about the future of ROH. Like, you know, since 2018, they blew it. They blew it big time. They had it in their hands. You know, you don't know exactly what type of conversations they had with the Bucks and Cody and Hangman Page and Omega. We don't know exactly how things are going. We don't know how dead set on um, the elite and company joining Tony Khan to create AEW, but ROH had it all at one point. They really did. They really did. And it it is sad to see kind of on their perspective how it ended up. But if they were never going to attempt, never even going to even want to try to do what AEW did, fuck them. (laughs) Exactly. I'm glad glad it worked out the way it did. But that's the thing right there, right? Like, we don't know what mindset Sinclair was in, right? Like, this is the issue when a massive company owns a wrestling company, right? Like, this is going to be the issue when NBC ultimately owns WWE, when Comcast ultimately owns WWE. Yeah, it it could be, man. It could be. Although WWE is such a humongous name compared to Ring of Honor. It it will be a little different, but I I, I know what you're... Like, it still has its issues, it's going to be more in the WCW realm, right? Yeah. So we'll see what ha- exactly what happens there. Anyways, let's move on. Matt, I think I'm going to turn the table to you as we talk New Japan Pro Wrestling Power Struggle and then yes. our Juan Hoff. Yes, yes. Actually, we might even be able to squeeze in a little AEW talk depending on how quickly this goes. But yeah, I just wanted to talk about the top four matches on New Japan Power Struggle, November 6th, 2021. I thought all four of the final four matches were great. Two of them will probably be showing up on our top 121 of 2021 list in December. So quickly, I think everyone should check out these top four matches if you got some time. It's uh, New Japan continuing to deliver in the ring. So the first, the sixth match overall on the card, the first that I wanted to talk about was Desperado defeating Robbie Eagles for the IWGP Junior title. This match went 18 minutes, 20 seconds. Great wrestling match. Robbie Eagles, Boris, he's high on the list of most improved. 
Oh, 100%. This match was great. This is a lot of fun. Um, you know, this is a match that I got to say on paper, I really was not looking forward to. But as it was happening, I was really glad that I, like, you know, didn't go on a pee break or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I was looking forward to this one more than the next, I got to be honest. But, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. And the, the win kind of caught me off guard. I thought Robbie Eagles was going to keep this title. But Desperado... Wins the title from Robbie Eagles. Despy, your new champion. I thought it was great. We go as high as uh, four roaring lions out of five for this one. 80% uh, king of pro wrestling percentage. Uh, next up, we had Kenta defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi for the IWGP United States title. This is so Kenta can come over to AEW, can wrestle CM Punk, can wrestle John Moxley, can wrestle Brian Danielson. You knew that this was coming. This one wasn't in doubt to me for a second. I really expected this, but it was another great wrestling match. In 23 minutes, Kenta versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. How could you go wrong? Yeah, exactly. This is this match was fine. Right, like this match was, was was exactly what it was supposed to be, um, you know. I, Kenta is an interesting case of age, and I don't know. There's just something about Kenta. I can't put my finger on it. I don't find him as entertaining as he was even in no in WWE, but for sure Noah. Right, like it's just like there's just something about him that that his it, it, how good his matches are really depend on his opponent. I can see that. He's not the same guy. He's definitely super banged up. He's He's been through the ringer uh, emotionally, mentally, physically. You know what I mean? He's a, he's a different guy than he was uh, as the young lion in Noah and then eventually the world champion in Noah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, he's uh, he's still I, – I think he's still very talented. But it's like you said. He kind of wrestles to the level of his opponent. Thankfully, he was in there with Tanahashi. Yeah, exactly. It just, again, Tanahashi, MVP, continues to just – just bang out these amazing matches like and he's not old old but he's also not a spring chicken anymore no what is he 41 42 yeah like is? Yeah. yeah yeah so yeah he's 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 pretty yeah and he's got some miles 42 with uh, some miles on that body but yeah he's he's still he's still in there he's a star man still having great matches incredible wrestler uh so these these next two matches these are the ones that will probably appear on our year end list these matches were both Great. So we're going to start with Okada defeating Tamatonga in Tamatonga's best ever match. 25 minutes and 13 seconds. Okada retains the G1 briefcase. What did you think about this one, buddy? I enjoyed this match. Now, we keep throwing names in terms of most improved. Tamatonga needs to be talked about on that list. Yeah. That's a great call. I didn't even think of that, but you're completely right, man. Yeah, his G1 was really, really strong. His promo work is getting getting pretty good every time he does get a microphone. And uh, yeah, man, he's uh, he's had his best career match with Okada in the G1, and then he topped it with Okada again right here. So, yeah. You can definitely see the improvement. I wonder, and we've said this on the podcast before, but I wonder if they're not gearing Tamatonga and Tangaloa up for a move stateside for a year here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Next up we had, I'm not ranking this any lower. I can tell you than top 10, top 15 of the entire year. I thought this match was incredible. It was a war. It was violent. It was smooth like butter the whole time. Shingo Takagi defeats Zack Sabre Jr. in 30 minutes and 27 seconds to retain the IWGP world title 
Go watch this wrestling match if you haven't. This is the best thing we've we're talking about in the podcast today. Oh well, other than some Hall of Fame candidates. Yeah, like, man, this, this, this this match was incredible. He, so you know, I give a lot of um, flack to New Japan Pro Wrestling about their booking, and you know they have this uh, reputation of it being like the NBA, where all you need to do is watch the last two minutes of a match right like it's it's everything else you know it's like that's that's really what it is eight out of ten times i would say they follow that formula number one number two shingo gets a bad reputation i don't know i don't understand why people aren't buying him as champ i don't understand what it is but people a lot of people i know just don't like him as champ don't see him don't buy him Put him in the ring was a Zack Sabre Jr. Is why he is our champion right now. This match, at the end of the day, was 30 minutes of high-octane energy, fun, entertainment. I was thoroughly sports entertained with this entire match. Bell to bell. It was so good. They told a great story. And I know that a lot of this had to do with Zack Sabre Jr. Every Zack Sabre Jr. match has a great story just because you don't know what he's going to do next. You know, um, but Shingo, like the story that they were telling between Shingo and Zack, where Shingo kind of had to stay a step ahead of Zack Sabre Jr. and not, you know, not be in, in, in one position for too long. And he kept moving and he tried to overpower him and he tried to outsmart him. The storytelling over the 30 minutes of this match was fantastic. Yeah, well put, buddy. Yeah, exactly right, man. And, and it, it's just these guys are artists. They're so good. They're two of the top five, ten best wrestlers in the world easily. And they have great chemistry. So not only are they both supremely talented, but they they make they make beautiful music together, right? So the anytime these guys wrestle, I'm absolutely there for it. I will stop what I'm doing to watch this pairing. It's magic. I'm telling you. Go watch this wrestling match. If you take nothing else from this podcast, watch Shingo versus Zack Sabre Jr. I would go four and a quarter for Okada and Tamatonga and an easy, a safe four and a half, 90% for Shingo versus Zack. 100%. I, you know, oof, this match, this match, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have to agree with you. But I would go half a point or, or quarter point higher, maybe. Maybe just because I love the storytelling. I feel you, man. Yeah, I might have underrated it at four and a half. I'm telling you, 30 minutes, it felt like 10, felt like 15. Yeah, exactly. Man, no, this this match was so good. Um, you know, I got to say, I love the G1 in the fall because typically, I know we've talked about this before, but I want to reiterate this point. After the G1, it seems like everyone goes on vacation. We had Power Struggle or King of Pro Wrestling. Sorry, King of Pro Wrestling in October. And then we had the the, the tag leagues uh, to end the year. And it was like, you know, you had a couple important matches. But right now, the stories that are going into Wrestle Kingdom are fantastic. You have, you know... The retelling of Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan from 1991 with the real world's champion, Okada, and and Shingo as the faux champion. Um, you know, depends how you want to see it, but that's essentially a story that Okada's telling you. Um, and, and it's just a wonderful story there. You have Tamatonga 
and I can't believe I'm saying this, who is by far one of the most improved wrestlers who should have a featured match in Wrestle Kingdom. Zack Sabre Jr. should have a featured match at Wrestle Kingdom. I'm super excited for where New Japan is right now in November. You know who might have a match at Wrestle Kingdom? And I'm not, I did, stranger things have happened, but Katsuyori Shibata. Yes. He came out. He said, we're going to see him again. They got some things up their sleeve, buddy. New Japan is uh, there after what was a terrible last 18 months. I yes. think New Japan's rounding back into form at the exact right time. I think so, too. There's one thing where New Japan really needs to curtail that Bullet Club bullshit. Oh, yeah. I think every fan who has seen more than one New Japan show over the last, I don't know what, two years? Yeah. <laughs> I think they would agree with you, buddy. Yeah. All right. So, Okada is coming stateside. Yeah. And best we're gonna friends. See, and we're going to see. Are, yeah. well, eight, okay. Sorry. Yeah, best friends are part of chaos. What the hell was that? Like, I, I, like that came out of, out of left field. We're going to get Orange Cassidy in New Japan, maybe. I'm super for it. What is this, DDT? Oh, my God. The, oh, oh I can't wait to see the Puro fans go apeshit angry over this. <laughs> oh, Dude, I, I'm sorry. But do you know what a dream match for me actually is? What's that? Orange Cassidy versus Toru Yano. Oh my god, I didn't even think of that Orange versus Yano That's going to happen for sure We're probably going to get Orange Cassidy versus Raisuke Taguchi uh, The funky weapon himself Yes, I think yes, yes. <laughs> We're in for some fun I think we're in for some fun But yeah, uh, also And I think what you were where you were originally <laughs> can I, driving can I at say my, Can I say my line? Because I think my yes. line was the best We're getting <laughs> the match Nobody asked for And nobody wanted that is untrue. Nobody asked for. Yes, that is inarguably true. Can't argue that. Nobody wanted. You're wrong, Boris. The match that you're talking about, Kazuchika Okada versus Buddy Murphy. Let's do it. Yeah. No, I'm good. What do you mean? Yeah. I'm good. Buddy Ma Murphy, the current Buddy Matthews, he's uh. He's Junior Okada. He's Diet or uh, Omega. He's Diet Kenny Omega. He wrestles like Kenny Omega. He has that. He uses like seven of Kenny Omega's moves. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think Look, it's gonna be I think it's going to be a great match. I think it's going to be yeah. a good match. Here's the, okay. I, let me be honest here. I think it's going to be a fine match. Buddy Murphy is one of the most underrated wrestlers in the world right now. Remember yes. his match on SmackDown in Toronto after SummerSlam against Roman Reigns? Yeah, I do, and that was awesome, man. Buddy Murphy is so good. He's had great matches with Malachi Black. He's had great matches with half of the cruiserweights when they were employed. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's the thing, though. For Okada's first match stateside in so, in so long, you have a ton of wrestlers on the strong roster, like Brian Lawler, like Brody King, like, there's so many to name. I can name so many. And you pick Buddy Murphy. 
Well, this way you don't have to beat Filthy Tom or you don't have to beat Brody King. You know what I mean? Like, okay, and a loss to Okada can not probably wouldn't hurt somebody. It can only help your career. I'll even take TJP hurt. versus Okada at this point. Oh, you see, like, that's what I mean, though. I can, I can understand. I can understand, like, oh, I'd like to see a Filthy Tom Lawler or I'd like to see a Brody King. I'd like to see a bigger Chris star. Dick- Chris, Dickinson. Throw Chris Dickinson versus Bur- Okada. Ah, get out of here. If you're going to throw Chris Dickinson or TJP in there, it might as well be Buddy Matthews, man. I'd no. much rather see Buddy Matthews than TJP versus Okada. Not get for out his of here. first match. Not for his first match. Yeah, of course. Big no. time. Absolutely. I know. I know our listeners are 1,000% behind you on this one, but this is the hill I'm going to die on. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I will take all the listener support and win the court of public opinion on this one. But hey, hey let us know. Do you think that uh, if you think that Murphy versus Okada is a terrible match, do you think you would you rather see him against a different opponent? Do you agree with Boris? Bitter Boris once again on the bitter bus. <laughs> Bitter. You know what the sad part is? You're not the first person to call me that even this week. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Uh, that, that's fine, though, buddy. You've been through a lot. Mackenzie Mitchell, etc. No, just kidding. You Let's son see. of a bitch. <laughs> Let's get off that I was, subject. Oh, I was past that. That was a podcast to go. <laughs> just trudging up old wounds. Okay, we're not going to do... Uh, we're not going to do a full preview of AEW Full Gear, but I do want to ask you, do they... So, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is, would what? someone say this is a half-gear preview? <laughs> All right, I quit. We definitely need to uh, sort out our affairs. Who's getting the microphones in, in, uh, in the divorce? Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, do you I, think, do I you got think you. Divorce? I got you there. You did. You did get me. I'm discombobulated. But no, do you think they're putting the belt on Hangman Page? Do you think that they would screw the fans over, quote unquote? Um, here's the thing. I feel like Hangman Page is on such a hot streak. It would be a very WWE move, and I don't use this comparison too often. But Matthew, would this be equivalent to Lex Luger? SummerSlam 93 and him not getting the belt at his hottest moment in history. <laughs> Could you imagine Hangman wins by countout? They drop confetti. I'd, I'd laugh so hard. They should not do that, but uh, that would be the funniest no, but thing like, I've so ever So what seen I'm trying life. to get at is Hangman Page going into the birth of AEW was one of the hottest people in the, in, in the, in the company. Um, and, you know, Jericho won. Because he needed to win. It made sense for Jericho to be the first champion. Hangman Page stayed hot. Then he went into the tag team with Kenny. Hot-ish. But started cooling off. You know, then unfortunately, you know, he started this thing with the Dark Order. When the Dark Order was seen as a purely mid-card group. And that hurt him. And say what you want. It hurt him at the end of the day. Then he left for a little bit. Now he's back, and once again, the hottest act in professional wrestling. So, like, this is the thing with the Hangman Page Dark Order thing, in my opinion. When you're removed from the story, when you're just, like, thinking about where they have gotten and where they are now, very good storytelling. 
but actually having to watch evil uno cut promos week after week after week he actually having to watch the dark order segments with him around it, it hurt him it made him look like a goofball idiot it made him look weak and worse yeah the dark order association long term was a benefit but each step of the week was short term loss like you know every every time you had to see him on television beside those goofball idiots, it hurt him. So, yeah. but, but at the end of the day, it was necessary storytelling and it got us here. So I wouldn't change it, but I'm glad that part is kind of over now. Yeah, exactly. It kind of culminated at the Halloween episode. And now, you know, you know what Kenny and, and hangman did yesterday, last night on dynamite was beautiful, fantastic. Well done. Yeah. Contract signings always go sideways, but if you're going to go sideways, that's how you do it. You know, and, and you know what I appreciated the most out of, out of that segment What's that? Serious Kenny. Yes. Yeah. Real champion Kenny. Kenny. Like, not a goofball. This is your world champion? This is your world champion, you know? Yeah, I definitely thought it was the best Kenny Omega promo I've ever heard in my entire life by a wide margin. It was the least I disliked him on a promo. I love the Don Callis little twist in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was an extremely strong episode of Dynamite last uh, last night. It, the Leo Rush tag team match was so good, like mind-blowingly amazing offense from Dante Martin and Leo Rush in that match. Yeah, so I literally was watching Dynamite right before we recorded, um, and I got to say that as a standalone episode, it was great, but I th- it wasn't the best go-home episode that you could ask for. Having said that, it was great. It was still good, but there's, you know, Dyna- AEW right now is in this weird place where I have expectations, and if they don't meet those expectations in terms of quality, whew. You know, it's it's it, and I and, and I don't like judging them that way, but with WWE, the bar is so low, so low, that <laughs> for them to surpass that low bar really doesn't take much. When I am entertained by NXT 2.0, you know the WWE bar is extremely low. <laughs> I I'm literally right there with you, buddy. I sadly I understand your pain. I feel so, you loud and clear. Going back to the original questions, because you know I hate when we say bring something up and not get back to it. Will Hangman Page win? Yes, he will. Yes, he should. Yep, I agree, and I think that this you, you might disagree about this next point, but I think it would only help the character and the company long-term if they did this. Tell me if I'm wrong on this. Hangman Page beats Kenny Omega, loses the title in his first defense to Brian Danielson in a match that probably, I want to say, by ref stoppage. Brian Danielson turns heel a little bit in the process. It's kind of a little similar to Bret Austin, but it's not a double turn. But that Bret Hart bloodying, uh, battering his opponent and him passing out in a submission hold, I kind of see that being the way Hangman Page loses this title, and I think I'm, it happens pretty quick. I'm fine with that. Now, it's funny that you say that because I feel like that's what John Moxley was going to do. Ooh, interesting. Think about it. Like, look how he beat 10. You know that he, they were setting up Orange Cassidy to be a bloodbath on Orange Cassidy and him just not give a shit. You, I had a feeling that at full gear... He was going to just decimate Danielson 
and then he was going to decimate Hangman Page when he gets that, that title defense, that title I shot. Only, I, uh, I only, I only. I only disagree about one thing. I think that they were going to try to have a five-star match. Danielson Moxley, I think that would not no, have been it, No, no, no. It, it wasn't going like to be – sorry. Sorry. It wasn't going to be a destruction like a 10, but the ending of the match was going to be brutal, and after the match, he was just going to go full-on chaotic. I could see that. I could see that for sure. But, yeah, I think I think the, the long-term story here is not going to be Hangman Page holds this title for 18 months. I think he's losing in his first or second defense. His first defense on pay-per-view, he will lose, and it will be to Brian Danielson. He might defend it on Dynamite or Rampage or, like, if they do a Clash of the Champions kind of thing, whatever, whatever they do. But his next, his first pay-per-view uh, world title defense will be a loss to Brian Danielson. You heard it here first. Interesting. Very interesting. You know, I, I can get behind that 100%. Um, but now, some listeners are saying, but Boris, you were upset when Christian Cage lost his belt right away to Moose. But remember what I said. They took that special moment and they turned it right over to Moose. The way the scenario that you're talking about, Matt, is get, at least giving it a little bit of time. And I'm fine with that. Exactly. To tell a long-term story, to have that chase again... I think would only improve not only the product, but hang the, the love for Hangman Page. A million percent right. He could, like, if done correctly, he could be the real, above the quote-unquote four pillars, he could be the real homegrown star of AEW. And, and I don't think that him losing the title uh, early would hurt that. I think no. if done correctly, it could help it. It could they could be another chase, like you said. It could be He could be their Stone Cold Steve Austin. He isn't quite, but he could be. Let's look at the optics. Let's take a step back and look at the optics of this, right? You have AEW right now is in a really particular situation because they're trying to build new stars, but they have stars from other companies. They have stars of yesterday, today, CM Punk, Brian Danielson, um, you know, even John Moxley, I'll add to that list, Chris Jericho. They're in a really particular situation. They don't have a standout homegrown star just yet. So, if we're looking at this from a pure sports point of view, Brian Danielson should be able to kick the shit and beat Hangman Page in a title defense. So then we get to the chase. We get to the chase. We get to the chase. And then your homegrown star rises to the occasion and beats the star from other companies. Exactly. Tale as old as time, Boris. I think they could they could really make that work easily for sure. Yeah. It's 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 this this is a this is a like how many times did this happen in the territory age? Uh, I wasn't alive really, but I assume no. But numerous. like you know, like yeah. we've heard stories of like how, exactly. how this is this is a, a somewhat common thing that they would do, right? Like uh, so you know, it's just it's just rehashing something because you know. At the end of the day, AEW fans are smarter than other fans. They know that these people existed in other companies, and they know the history of a lot of these wrestlers. So to have someone like Hangman Page, the optics of him, this homegrown talent, finally beating the WWF guy, say what you want. That's what Brian Danielson is seen as, you know. So I think that would be huge. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I, but you can't. I, I think it could help AEW greatly for yes. Brian Danielson to actually get that first win and hold the title for a very long time, do his ROH title run, but on the grandest stage, uh, you know, well, the second grandest stage. Yeah. Um, one question. 
Is AEW getting too deep cut in some of the references and promos and storytelling that an average viewer is going to be like, what are they talking about? And change the channel. Uh, I don't. I don't want to spend too much time on this because we're already running out of Hall of Fame time. But uh, yes, in a nutshell, I hate the budge stuff. I hate it. I think it's a turnoff. I I think uh, John Silver, God bless him, he's funny, but he's not funny enough to make that work. Like that's not working for me. Uh, yes, they're too inside. But but being inside isn't necessarily terrible. It does make you want to. It makes the uneducated viewer want to explore. Yeah. It makes them want to like, what are they talking about? But yeah. sometimes it's just like, ah, like this, this is confusing and dumb. Exactly. Like I don't get this. To put a click, bow, you know what I mean? To put a bow in this and wrap it up because I do want to give some good time to the Hall of Fame chatter. And that's the MCU. The MCU doesn't explain everything to you. It's up to you sometimes to go and do your own research, and I think that a real fan is going to actually want to do that. If you're curious enough of a fan, I should say, not a real fan, if you're curious enough of a fan. Um, But there is a line, and I hope that they kind of tread that line a little better, but there have been a little too many deep cuts um, uh, happening on on AEW, just, you know, for my liking in the grand scheme of things. I million percent agree with that. Yeah, it, it doesn't make you a bad fan if you don't want to go seek out everything no. and you're sitting there with like a like the Charlie Day uh, meme. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not going full Pepe Sylvia trying to break down every possible storyline. Exactly. That's fine. You don't have to be insane about it. But uh, yeah, I, I think there's a certain degree rewards, uh, you know, fans for like digging a little deeper. A, a certain degree of inside baseball is is actually kind of fun. But they do it too much. Yep. All right. Let's move on. Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame ballot. Matt, this is all yours, but I will contribute my thoughts, opinions, and whatnot. Yes, please please do, Boris. Okay, so briefly how it works is there are uh, a number of categories, and you vote in the categories that you are, quote-unquote, qualified for. Now, I don't have a ballot, although... Uh, I, I would hope to maybe one day get one, especially if we can keep this podcast going uh, as we would like to. Uh, hopefully we can rise to the level of the great Dave Meltzer would maybe ask one or two of us. But yeah, man, I would be honored to have a W-O-N-H-O-F ballot one day. Anyway, so this is I've, I put a lot of thought into this. So I, I am voting uh, for the Japan and the USA Canada category. I won't be voting for historical, but I think inarguably June Byers should be in the wrestling observer hall of fame. It's crazy that she's not anyone who's voting historical, please vote for June Byers. That's an unofficial addition to the ballot. So you get 10 wrestlers total of all the categories where you feel qualified to vote and five non wrestlers as well. So I'm going to go through my non wrestler picks first, and then I'm going to go through my wrestler picks and you just hop in whenever you want. Big homie. Sounds good. All right, so non-wrestlers, I have four locks and one uh, that we I think we should uh, litigate here on the podcast. So here are my four locks. Uh, first, shout out to Ethan Tyler, who's a wrestling uh, historian. He posts on the Wrestling Observer newsletter, uh, newsletter uh, board, yep. uh, the forums. He's uh, really made the case for manager Bobby Davis. He is the prototype to 
Bobby the Brain Heenan to Jim Cornette. He is the first manager of the stars, the manager of the world champion, right? Um, he was the manager of the great uh, nature boy buddy Rogers, Bobby Davis was. And he's made, he's made a really good case online about how Bobby Davis should uh, inarguably be in the Hall of Fame. He is the OG manager, basically. So he's won me over. I would vote for Bobby Davis. Stanley Weston, founder of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, hugely, hugely influential. Just on that alone, he's a Wrestling Observer Hall of Famer. But uh, if you look into him, he's also he's been a you know he's, he was a fight connoisseur. He's already in a International Boxing Hall of Fame. So yeah, I think he's uh, definitely a lifelong fight fan. Started PWI, and I think he deserves to be in. Jim Johnson, Jim Johnston, sorry, uh, musician extraordinaire for WWF. He's got to be in. He wrote the soundtrack to our youths, Boris. Oh, 100%. 1,000%. And I hate when people say something over 100%, but 100%, this man <laughs> is huge. 101% agree with you, buddy. <laughs> and uh, uh, another no-doubter uh, non-wrestler Hall of Famer, I think, Reggie Parks, the belt maker. Uh, if, John, if Jim Johnston uh, wrote the soundtrack to our youths, Reggie Parks may have, uh, you know, provided the backdrop. Some of those belts, the winged eagle alone, Hall of Fame worthy, right? Exactly. So those are my four. Here's the fifth, Boris, that I have on the borderline. And I, I, I'm thinking, yes, I'm thinking his work over the last couple of years in all elite wrestling has pushed him over. I think Tony Schiavone, is he a Hall of Famer, yes or no? Yes, yes, 100%. Um, look, he was in a particular position in WCW. By the end, he just didn't give a shit, it seemed like, and, you know, he, he pretty much said as much, right? Like, but this is a man that has been the voice of so many decades, left the business, started podcasting, re, it reinvigorated his love for the business, and in my opinion, without Tony Schiavone, AEW would not be where they're at because he adds that journalistic integrity to whatever he's doing. You know, I, I think that's well put. And it, Jim Ross, I think he gets too much flack. I think Jim Ross is doing a way better job than people give him credit for. But he couldn't do it alone. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, if you think Jim Ross is losing a little bit off the fastball, and most, well, he is. He is doing, that's it. That's true. But uh, Tony Schiavone has been there to pick up the slack. Tony Schiavone has not lost much off the fastball, if any. So there's my five non-wrestlers. Jim Johnston, music maker. Reggie Parks, belt maker. Bobby Davis, the OG Bobby Heenan manager. Tony Schiavone, excellent interviewer and commentator. And Stanley Weston, founder of PWI Magazine. That's awesome. All right. I like it. All right. Beautiful. Thank you for that, friend. Let's move on to the USA-Canada uh, slot here. So... I, ha I was thinking about it hard, and we're going off the post, not on the list, but worth mentioning, honorable mention, both Edge and Rick Martel. I think Edge, I'm fine with him being the Hall of Fame bar. The actual bar, if you want to say you must have had a better career than Edge to make the Hall of Fame, I'm okay with that. You might be able to talk me into him being in because he's such an incredible promo. He's such an incredible wrestler. He's done a lot of good work. But maybe he's not quite at that level. We can we can discuss that. What do you think about Edge's case? Um, I think Edge, look, Edge is one of those guys, and I think what makes his career 
like Hall of Fame worthy is the comeback. I think that if we take a look of a look at his pre injury injury career, it would be borderline Hall of Fame. He did some amazing things. You know, he he came from like this unsuspected unsuspecting position to world champion to headliner. He did it all. And who would have thought that he would? Like, let's be honest, right? When we saw Edge show up, you know, um, cosplaying as as Sting, who would have thought that he had the career that he did pre-injury? Now, uh, post-comeback, come on. He's done some of the best mic work. He's had some amazing matches. He's 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 at a level of that of that 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 only few have been able to reach. I artistically I agree with you, but the, you, then you can argue, but he's never been a good draw, and that's been exacerbated since he's come back. He's not a ratings draw. He has not even when he came to NXT, the rating was like depressingly, shockingly low. And he's, you know, you could there, there are rest- holes to poke. He's a wrestling fan's wrestler. He's not mainstream in that sense. I million percent agree with you. So, uh, actually, there's another name that I cut. Let's, because he's a little bit of the opposite of Edge. Goldberg. How do you feel about Goldberg's case? Because for two or three years there, he's an inarguable first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. He was so popular, and he was so he, like such a real draw, but does not really have any longevity. So if, how do you feel about Goldberg? The longer he stays around and wrestles and has matches, the less of a case he's making to be a Hall of Famer. Like that's that. If he came back and did that one match against Brock Lesnar in Toronto Survivor Series 2016, I could say maybe, just because that was huge. But yeah, if, if his entire comeback was only the WrestleMania and Survivor Series Goldberg or Brock Lesnar matches, yeah, I think maybe. But yeah, his the the diminishing returns of him coming back might actually be hurting his Hall of Fame case at this point. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I, another name that I caught, Rick Martel. AWA babyface champion Rick Martel is fucking incredible. If you haven't seen enough of him, go out and watch him. It kind of it's kind of sad and kind of sucks that his most famous run was as like a mid card goofball in WWE because he's so far above and beyond that. But I think similar to Goldberg, just didn't have enough longevity at the top. Yeah, unfortunately, I think you're right there. Um, yeah. You know, it's sad that what we know him best as in our youth was mid-card goofball. You know, the camp puncher face match against Shawn Michaels, SummerSlam 92. Like, that's what I know. That's what I know Rick Martell as. That and the blindfold match, uh, WrestleMania 7 against Jake Roberts, right? Like, that's sad. Yeah, it is. It is. It's sad is the wrong word because it's fun. At least he's in our memories. But, uh... It is. It's unfortunate. It sucks. Maybe it is sad, man. Yeah, it is. It is shitty. It is kind of sad. Um, but uh, yeah. So uh, to quote the great Mo Sislak, instead of telling us what it ain't, how about telling us what it am? And I'll tell you who is in the Hall of Fame on my ballot. So for sure, no doubt in my mind, shocked that they're not in already. Hardy Boys have to be in for influence, for longevity for just the the fact that they're one of the best top five tag teams who has ever lived, how are they not in the Hall of Fame yet? I think, you know what it is? It's because they're still around. Yeah, maybe. 
And yeah, they might be getting punished for that fact. But to me, put the Hardy Boys in the Hall of Fame. They are a Hall of Fame tag team by absolutely any definition. People keep praising Chris Jericho for constantly being able to reinvent himself. And I know the Hardys haven't been able to full-on reinvent themselves. At least uh, Jeff. Matt has in many um, yeah, you know iterations of his characters from V1 to the broken to whatever he's doing now. Um, you know, these guys have stayed relevant for 20 plus years. Yeah, exactly right. And they're still doing good work. They're still doing good work. And their their influence is, is almost unmatched on this list. But here's so- a question, Matt. Is Jeff Hardy's current run in WWE and the way that he's being booked hurting his case for the Hall of Fame? Maybe, but I, I, this isn't separately, right? This is as the, a team. I okay, yes. I'm just okay. You're right. Okay, yes. So, so yeah, it's hurting his it's hurting his his own case. But uh, yeah, I, I would I would say as a tag team, the Hardy Boys have to be uh, pro wrestling Hall of Famers. Have to be. Um, right. CM Punk is a pro wrestling hall of famer. If for nothing else than for the fact that he might be the best promo guy ever, or one of them, I realize the best ever is a, is a huge thing to say, but like he's on the list with the Ric Flair's, the Mick Foley's, the rocks, the Hulk Hogan's, Steve Austin's he's on that list. Roddy Piper. He's on that list, Boris. So yep. CM Punk based on that alone, I think is a hall of famer, but also he's had an incredible career, that long WWE title reign back to AEW, that humongous pop, the cathartic grown men weeping in the audience. Like this guy's a pro wrestling hall of famer. Dude, the ROH, the summer of punk and ROH, right? Like, like, like some he of put the, yeah, ROH he, on the map. Absolutely. And he's a B level crossover star. And I think that kind of thing matters. I really do think that kind of thing matters. Like influence on culture and stuff. He writes and comic respect- books. I, I can't I can't hate a guy who like oh, actually <laughs> yeah. I, let me take that back. Because a certain wrestler <laughs> likes comic books. But you know what I mean. Like you can't like this guy is just pop culture influence at the end of the day. Yeah. And respect of one's peers matters, man. So on that note, we want to talk about respect of one's peers. This might get me in the most trouble. People might disagree with this the most. Randy Orton's a fucking pro wrestling Hall of Famer. Randy Orton in the pro wrestling Hall of Fame. Everyone he's ever stepped in the ring with says this guy's the best wrestler they ever wrestled. He's got the accomplishments of a first ballot Hall of Famer. But obviously wrestling is uh, fake. He's not really winning these titles, as Jim Cornette would say. But... uh, yeah, man, he's got the accomplishments. He's got the respect of his peers. He's got the longevity. Basically, if you're not voting for Randy Orton, you're saying, I think he's boring, which is, that's fine. That's your opinion. But obviously, I think you're dumb because I just made fun of you. <laughs> who am I going to believe? People in the ring who have wrestled against Randy Orton or Billy Bob in mom's basement. Exactly right. Or, yeah, Tim365363333 on Twitter. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, Randy Orton, Hall of Famer. And I agree Here's one 100% that I had on with the you. Bo- I, I agree 100% Thanks. with you on that one. Thanks, but I, I, all right. So, here, here are two that I have on the borderline. I'm thinking one yes, one no, but you can, you can, you can tell me about this. So, Steiner Brothers, the Breaker Brothers, Boris. <laughs> with two Ks. <laughs> Yes, yes. I'm putting them in. I think they uh, they traveled all over the world. They had incredible matches. They they have an argument for being the best in-ring tag team ever. So I think 
I think their resume is such that they get in, but uh, you can argue to me that they didn't do it long enough. Although, man, they, they were wrestling in WCW in 1989. They're wrestling in New Japan in 1996. Like, they didn't do it for a long time. But maybe maybe it wasn't quite a long enough push for the Steiner brothers. But I, I think right now I'd put them in. What do you think? Um, You know, we were talking about longevity earlier. So that would be the only, like you in like you mentioned just mentioned that would be the only strike against them, um, but in terms of quality, in terms of impact, in terms of everything that they've given to the business, in terms of how traveled they were, in terms of everything um, that you would consider into a Hall of Famer, I think they got it. The only thing I would question is their longevity. Exactly right. So that's the black mark on them, but I'd still put the Steiner brothers in the Hall of Fame. So Hardy Boys, CM Punk, Randy Orton, Steiner brothers in. Those are the ones that are in on my U.S. ballot. As I said, I wrestled with Edge. I wrestled with uh, Rick Martel and Goldberg. My hardest cut from the U.S. ballot was Paul Orndorff. I think that he is like, he has a slightly better case than Goldberg, but is the same problem. Uh, Bright, bright heights. But the rest of his career, I don't think, is a Hall of Fame career. I think he had two Hall of Fame years. You know what I mean? 80, what, 86, 7, 85, 6? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe 3, 85, 6, 7. But yeah, definitely 86 is a Hall of Fame year. But like if we're giving, if we're putting Paul Orndorff in the Hall of Fame for his 1986, then we have to put Goldberg in the Hall of Fame for his 1998. We have to. We have to. And you should probably put Ultimate Warrior in the Hall of Fame for his 1990. And you should probably this and you should probably that. So, I think Paul Orndorff is no. He is a no along with Edge, along with Goldberg, along with Rick Martel. What do you think? Yeah, you know what? You're too logical sometimes, Matt. Um, no, like the <laughs> logic that you present like makes sense there. Um, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate. And maybe we don't know wrestling. Maybe we, we, we don't know. We're not historians enough uh, to speak about Paul Orndorff, right? Um, but, you know, from, from our point of view, you and I, basically have the same history when it comes to at least North American wrestling. I would agree with you. Yeah, I think so. And like I, the whole part of this exercise is to, is to read more, is to become more educated on these things. So please, like if you, if you're out there and you think that Orndorff is a, is a no doubt hall of famer, please let us know. I'd like to hear it. But yeah, to me, I think he's getting in for his incredible 1986. And I don't think that's enough. Yeah. All right, so those are my four U.S. choices. Hardy Boys, CM Punk, Randy Orton, Steiner Brothers. I have five choices in the Japanese category, which means I'm only using nine of my ten possible Hall of Fame votes. But you're allowed to do that, and that's where I'm at. So Japanese choices, number one, Okada. No-brainer. If you don't vote for Okada, you're doing this wrong. Yeah, Exactly. Number two, Kota Ibushi, a little closer, but I think when all is said and done, the uh, the style that he works, it's incredible that he's still wrestling. He works, uh, if you actually look at the, the the athletic feats that he's done in the ring, he's working like Dynamite Kid on Fast Forward, like, like, like those guys who broke down early. He's working so much crazier than them. And he's still in there. He's still doing it. Obviously, he just Ish. got injured doing a Phoenix splash. But I was going to say, uh, where is he right now? <laughs> he's on the injured list right I now. Know. But, like, you know, he's, he's, I think Kota Ibushi has done enough 
to be a Hall of Famer in professional wrestling. the other thing about Kota Ibushi. You put him in DDT against the most ridiculous of things, in the most ridiculous of things, he does great. You put him in Kaiju Big Battle, he will do great things. And that's actually happened, FYI. You put, him, you put him in the World Wrestling Entertainment yeah, Company, and exactly. he does good things. Exactly. Exactly. You put him anywhere, he does good things. You put him in a tiger mask costume, he will do good things. That's why he's a Hall of Famer. Exactly right, buddy. Speaking of that, here's somebody who has no character, really, no push, really, basically no real accomplishments, except for the fact that he might be one of the best wrestlers to ever live. And that's Tomohiro Ishii. Ishii is a Hall of Famer in pro wrestling. He's a Hall of Famer in pro wrestling because he's so goddamn good at pro wrestling. He's so good, he makes it look easy. Exactly, man. He And and he does it with elbows and clotheslines and suplexes, and, and that's it. Yep, exactly. Somewhere Dan Lavransky is, is cheering for that pick. <laughs> awesome yeah Ishii is a hall of famer for sure now here are two that uh are a little maybe off the board but i, I hope i can uh justify them uh number one maiko satamura i think she's not only is an incredible trainer and her influence now on the wwe roster is clear but she's been she's been world champion against men she's wrestled for 20 years all over the world is still an absolute top notch top of her game wrestler. It still to this day means a lot just to get into the ring with Miko Satamora. I think Miko Satamora is a hall of famer. I think if you look at her resume, the totality of the resume, Boris, it's unfuckwithable. You want in the hall of fame. Okay. Earlier we were talking about longevity. Not only has she had a long career, but she's been world champion everywhere. 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 Forever. You want to talk about longevity? She was on Nitro. It's <laughs> a really good point. In like 95 or 96, In the right? early like Nitro. The end. Yeah, the early Nitro. When WCW cared great. about wrestling and being the like the, <laughs> the, the center of, of the wrestling world. It, absolutely wild. So yeah, Miko Satamora is in. And here's one that somebody that I don't, I wish I knew more of, but I but through their influence uh, in what was known as Lucha Resu, bro, Boris, I believe he started Dragon Gate. I believe he's one of the all-time uh, most uh, influential, small, uh, high-flying wrestlers in Japanese wrestling history, and that's Chima. I yes. think that he is a Hall of Famer. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. I there was a time that he was known... He was the Japanese Shawn Michaels for a hot second there in the 2000s. And then Shawn Michaels came back and became the American Shawn Michaels. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. So that's where I'm leaving my Japanese ballot for the moment. Okada, Ibushi, Tomohiro Ishii, Chima, and Miko Satamura. Yep. To go with the Hardy Boys, CM Punk, Randy Orton, and the Steiner Brothers. That is my Hall of Fame ballot this year, Boris. Yep, exactly. That uh, Chima's a great one. Actually, I saw him um, wrestle live once for uh, Smash Wrestling. Oh, nice! Yeah, That's when, awesome. When he I was definitely with, did not catch that. Yeah, when he was with OWE. 
would have loved to have seen him live. That's a, that's a great show to catch. The, the, I think the best smash match that I caught was AJ Styles versus Chris Hero. That was yeah. dope. That match was fantastic. I was there at that show. That was at the um that like weird warehouse in Etobicoke, right? Yeah, what was it like the Yeah, yes it was. I forgot what it was called, but it certainly 1 million percent was. Yeah, like that meat packing plant or something. I don't, I don't even know what it was. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, it was definitely a strange plot, a spot in a strange location, but I did see that match for sure. Oh, awesome. I love it. All right, man. So, yeah, that's my Hall of Fame uh, ballot. Dave Meltzer, get at me. I'd be honored to submit it officially. But, uh, yeah, I just hope uh, hope that was a fun listen, and we'd like to hear from you if you want to give your thoughts in. I know Yorkie was going to uh, message me with a couple picks, but unfortunately he's under the weather. But, yeah, we'd love to hear from you in the thread or on the Twitter or on the Instagram machine. Yep, exactly. Well, that wraps it up for another week here on Bam Bors and Matt Entertainment. Stay tuned here on Saturday nights, Sunday nights, main event, patron feed, because we have tons still to come. We're only halfway through the week, brothers and sisters. Um, we have the old Fox All Elite Weekly coming to you later tonight, tomorrow morning. That's Thursday night or Friday morning. We have the Smack Daddies. And the old fucks rampage preview, as I like to call it, the fuck daddy Saturday. <laughs> You're sticking with that nickname. I love it. Sticking with it while I can. Um, and uh, so they, the smack daddies, obviously ch- chatting, smackdown. The old fucks, obviously rampaging and rampaging at clouds, because that's what old people do. <laughs> also on Saturday, after full gear, we have the. After party, that's going to be the full gear after party. Patrons are going to be getting the link in your in patron inbox by Saturday-ish. Um, and be sure to check out the show. Join us in the after party. Have some great Lakes beer while we chat all things AW. And remember, there's going to be a special announcement about the podcasts on Sunday night's main event. Um, and then on Sunday, you're getting Jason Agnosi returns back. And uh, gives us the regular mothership show. Tons here. Tons to do. And if you're coming from the BAM Sports and Entertainment feed, then be sure to go to SNME or patron.com slash SNME radio. Sign up for the SNME patron. One wrestling show a day straight to your inbox. Tons of fun. Tons of wrestling. Tons of extras. He's Matt. I'm Boris. This is Bam. Good night. Yeah, yeah, yeah.